Welcome to GeoInteresting, the official podcast of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. This week on the show, we are celebrating the 2015 GeoInt Symposium with conversations with some of the most innovative and influential people within NGA. Today, we have Chris Rasmussen, NGA's Public Software Development Lead. Chris has championed NGA's official presence on the code-sharing site GitHub, overseeing the launch of more than 20 repositories on the platform. He's also spearheading the agency's Pathfinder program, an off-site, unclassified lab to answer key intelligence questions. It's safe to say that Chris is an agency trailblazer when it comes to pushing NGA to operate openly, transparently, and unconventionally. Stay tuned for GeoInteresting. So, Chris, what sparked your interest in trying to push some of the agency projects you were working on to the public? Well, the, the whole uh, push towards GitHub started uh, within the domestic support circles, within um, you know, the domestic support we, we provide in, in hater situations, humanitarian disaster response, and then some of the domestic support stuff. It made perfect sense if we're, if we're building high-quality software for our domestic partners and hater partners to use. That's a completely unclassified field. Um, so it was the first thing that went out was GeoQ, and it was a hit. Uh, it was well done. It just made perfect sense to start with that. Um, if, if we're talking about getting on the same sheet of music in a common operational picture, it just made total sense to put that source code on GitHub. So, th so internally, it just lined up. And then it's grown much beyond uh, the domestic support branches and things within, within the agency, uh, different types of software packages, much, much further beyond that. But that was the originating piece. It just made perfect sense to do this and, and uh, not overdo it with, uh, for official use controls. It, it, just, it was the perfect case to do that. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to have GitHub government evangelist Ben Balter on the show to discuss NGA's open source initiatives. Tell me a little about the process and getting the agency onto GitHub and why it's so important. Sure. Uh, so it, it took a while because uh, this was a first, um, and uh, so it, it took a while. Um, I, I've talked about this before, but uh, most of my time uh, during that uh, selling it throughout the organization was myth-busting. Um, is that people think that because it exists on the internet, all the horror stories associated with internet-based chat rooms and the Yahoo comment section are the same thing. They're not. This is a very highly professionalized engineering culture, and just, just because it works over the internet doesn't mean it's going to bring all of the associated baggage with certain things and biases that people have about internet-based communications. Uh, this is a very professionalized group, so quote-unquote random people cannot just show up and put in things. It doesn't work that way. You have to be a developer. You make your suggestions. They go into a bucket. We discuss the changes. We look at them. Then it's merged in. So it's a very controlled environment. Um, so just there's there's very highly scientific groups uh, that 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 uh, work in crowd tasking platforms and things like that astrophysicists so those are internet based right so the issue was people coming up with kind of you know peanut gallery stories that had nothing to do with a highly professionalized open source software development and engineering culture so that was that was number one um, so we had to figure out a way uh, there was there's no there was no rear view mirror for this right we had to make up all the forms all of the points of contact all of it had to be done from scratch 
Um, so we had to uh, uh, craft a way to document intellectual property, right? If, if a contractor works on something under contract, we have to document intellectual property with the contractor and the contractor's company, convey the, con convey the expectations that we're now going to open source this to the public, right? That's That was new. Uh, you know, people use the term open source a lot, but when you go out on a platform of millions with a legally reviewed open source license, that's very different than claiming it's open source and emailing it to your friends point to point. This is the real legal deal. Um, so that had to be crafted on the contract side. The government side is government employees are not entitled to copyright protection by U.S. law. So anything that a government employee develops is has to be released in the public domain. Uh, that can blend with other licenses, uh, and, and it gets a little a little technical and nerdy on, on the legal side there. Uh, but we had to craft the government intellectual property forms, the contracting forms, and then we had to figure out a way to review it so we had to come up with a security process for the checking it out to the public, um, which was which was created as well. So there's a couple of pieces. Document the intellectual property, who made what, how many people involved. Then there's a security checkout process of what it does, and there's a conversation with security. There's a determination that's made. And then, I, I mean, I, I went in and I'll make the repo, the repository, I'll name it. Uh, in, in GitHub, everything's lowercase and with slashes. That's kind of the convention. Uh, and then I turn over um, the rights to the NGA, um, pro the NGA account to the lead developer of that project, who has the most intimate knowledge of the code. And then they start upload. I'll, I'll write the README file. I'll pick the license, and then they come in and just start uploading the code. Uh, the kind of expectations that we have with our developers, anyone that's working for NGA, if they're government or they're working on behalf of NGA as a contract, they have to respond to all requests within 48 hours. Um, so that doesn't mean if it's a big build. It's, it's a lot of code coming in, they can just say, thanks, gotcha. That's much, much better than a lot of these government black holes that you just put in, you put in a comment and you have no one commenting back to you. It just doesn't, it doesn't inspire a sense of community. So they have to be fun with it and be responsive. Um, so that's kind of the process. So uh, after all that work, what's been the response that you've seen from developers and coders about NGA sharing code publicly? Yeah, so when, when uh, Balter was here, he talked about it was uh, about GeoQ, and that was the first to go. And it was, it was decent software. Um, a lot of times there's kind of like, you know, scripts and kind of really esoteric stuff that any organization makes. I mean, most software is designed for very specific purposes. It's to turn the toaster on at 8 a.m. in the lobby. I mean, that's what it's made. That's what a lot of software is purpose-built for. But GeoQ was just really well done. It was, it was, a, it was a hit that, that, that went out. If, had we put out some other ones, um, I, I, you know, looking back and kind of revisionist history a little bit, but had we put out some of these other ones first... I don't think we had a big, as big of a splash. It, we did have, there was some novelty in the sense that it was an intelligence agency doing this, so there was that. And then the first thing that went out was really good. So I think that the community that was built from the combination of being a first, of being a first mover, and actually offering something that was really, really solid, that really pushed it, and it, it surprised a lot of people. Um, that number one, we were doing, number two, something of that high quality was outputted. Do you have plans to use any of the updates or improvements coming out of this? Yeah, so that's 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 part of the process. So there have been uh, you know substantial improvements to uh, all of the projects. Now, as far as they tend to be you know configuration fixes and you know some minor medium things. I mean, yes, people do want the unbelievable quote unquote free feature that comes in, but a lot of the time that's that's going to be built by your in-house talent that you're paying people to do. But the trick is, is how many full-time people do you devote to work in this transparent space? And then do you want to be able to catch those spare cycles of people's random contributions or time that they spent just wanting to help? 
So the issue is you're always going to have a, a you know full-time people or people that you pay to do this, but if they work in a transparent space, you're going to be able to catch those much, much smaller spare cycle edits. So the things that have come through have been have been really good. Um, have they been these monstrous configuration, you know, big feature type things that have come in? No, uh, they haven't. But still, the question is, do you want that fix? Yes or no? It's not whether it was big enough. It's do you want anything at all, quote unquote, for free? And the answer is yes, of course you would. So switching to the other project hat that you've been wearing recently, uh, can you break down the GeoInt Pathfinder project for us and what exactly is it going to deliver for NGA? Sure. So the, the GeoInt Pathfinder was a recommendation uh, that was given to Mr. Cardillo uh, um, and he signed off on it in March. Um, now, the logic is business analogies are imperfect in government, but they're, they're instructive. The idea behind the Pathfinder was that sometimes uh, companies, whether through mergers or acquisitions, or, or they come up with something that's totally different than the mainline business of the organization. They spin off an independent unit to let it grow. So headquarters doesn't map its equities to it and, and everyone just kind of projects what they're used to doing onto it and it gets choked out. It's a really common st strategy within the business world. So if you look at the commoditization and commercialization of GeoIn in particular, most of the value this agency needs to derive will come from the unclassified side of the house. That is so fundamentally different than how we operate now that we needed to spin out a separate entity and let it breathe. So the recommendation was to have a unit that will only use unclassified sources and methods to answer these questions and output unclassified outputs. And the reason that classified information was denied as we've done several of these experiments before. We need to up our open source intelligence game. We start off strong for about two weeks and then we default right back to legacy behavior. So that was just simply denied. Is this is what you have, only this to inspire a sense of hustle and creativity and it's going to be a separate kind of entity. It'll be partially off-site, there'll be some folks here, there'll be people teleworking and there'll be people in other labs throughout, but the idea was to disconnect a little bit to drive out new value. So what the, what the Pathfinder will do, in addition to answering the questions, it's going to be a lot of pathfinding that these are the hiring practices that we need to pursue further. These are the policy rewrites that have to take place in order to be a, a much more powerful open source research organization. Uh, these are the security clearance requirements. Some of the things that we're going to find out with Pathfinder, the question is, are security clearances required for all personnel? The answer might be no. Because uh, if you're doing high-quality, unclassified research, you might not need to spend the money to run a clearance or to basically securitize a, a facility to store classified information. So it's going to impact almost every arm of the organization of what needs to take place, what needs to change in the enterprise, what needs to change in the security, what needs to change in contracting, what needs to change with how we interact with our partners, how we interact with the public. All of those things are going to change. And so the Pathfinder is going to help find what those are. And this is so complex that the only way to do this is through active experimentation. You cannot business school this to death and plan the plan the plan and study the study the study to come up with recommendations. You have to do it to find out where the complexities are and make the recommendations. So it's a learn by doing approach as well. Right. So you're on an elevator with the president and DNI Clapper and you have a chance to pitch them the Pathfinder program. How do you sell them on the value of operating in an unclassified environment? So for the, the real quick elevator speech here was the commoditization rates of GeoInt are so high that the majority of value will come from unclassified sources. We have to figure out how to drive niche 
new, new content and different thinking with mostly unclassified information. Now this is not to say that classified information is going away, it's just going to be more focused and it won't be the default. Right? It needs to focus on its strong suit, not defaulted to, to answer every question. So I, I would say that we need to position ourselves to be a high power open source analytic entity and we're just we're not structured right now to do that and that's what the Pathfinder is supposed to try to attempt to do. In a perfect world, what do you hope to achieve through the Pathfinder process? Will you be producing reports, new code? What what do the results look like? Yeah, both. So there's three. There'll be three parts. One will be the um, the content, of course, the kind of the the, the writing, the the analytic writing outputs that will take place. Um, we're not necessarily writing reports with logos on them. Uh, we're building up a living knowledge base. If someone wants to snapshot off a uh, a you know a paper from the living content that can be done but the end state is not to produce more electronic paper there are other ways to tell stories than pushing out reports right there are just simply other ways to do it and similar to github the reason that github works so well because it works on a distributed version control meaning people can see all of the changes that are happening within the source code basically through like a wiki you can compare and see what changes are we're going to adopt the same philosophy with the content but rather than source code it's going to be written content, links to things, pictures of screenshots of things, look at this data set. It needs to be a living knowledge base. So th that'll be the analytic output piece. The second part will be the code that's developed there. A lot of this is going to be, there's a lot of tech here. So within the Pathfinder, we're going to keep a four to one analyst to developer ratio. For, so for every four an end users, there will be one embedded developer to have that feedback loop, to have those conversations, to make those applications, to uh, query the data to be able to derive those outputs. Um, so it's going to have a very tech-focused element, and we can open source all of that stuff as well that we make, if we like, uh, on GitHub. Uh, and then the, uh, the last part will be the lessons learned, and I think this is going to be the key, is documenting what did we do, why it was different, what needs to change back at headquarters. So it's a combination of the analytic outputs, the IT, and the lessons learned. Operating out in the open and transparently is a priority of the ODNI and NGA director Cardillo. What would you say to concerns that by doing so the intelligence community might be giving away too much of the secret sauce? Well, I mean, if you look at, um, there is secret sauce, however, it, if you look at the phrase sources and methods, right, that's a common phrase that you hear, you got to protect sources and methods. Well, take out half of that equation, sources. They're now all unclassified, right? You really have to focus on the methodology. And you have to know what is happening in industry and in academia and in the private sector to know what is unique and what is stock, right? So every methodology, just because it's an intelligence agency, does not inherently make it unique or classified. So you have to really focus the ass on is this methodology truly unique? And in order to do that, you have to understand what, is, what are the standard practices within data science communities? What other companies are doing with this to find out if this is just a common methodology of a modern knowledge worker? So some of these conversations that we're having now, you see them at the, you know, the STEM debates all, all the way down to elementary school. Is, even on the college side, some of the best schools in the, in the, in the country are having the same conversation. What, does a, uh, what skills does a competent knowledge worker have moving forward in the 21st century when there's more data, things are becoming more statistically driven, and how do you collaborate with people that you're not necessarily sitting next to, and how do you interact within these platforms? That's a huge, huge, huge ask, 
and we, I view we are intelligence officers. However, knowledge workers, there is so much overlap between what a hedge fund analyst does and what an intelligence analyst does, particularly on the strategic questions. A lot of these strategic questions are equally as boring that hedge fund folks are looking after that we want to go after. So there are tactical things that have a sexiness to it. However, a lot of the, the, the socio-political questions and things like that, there are many, many different groups that are asking the exact same questions. And just because we ask them doesn't necessarily make it inherently spooky. So Mr. Cardillo has referred to this in the past, this self-imposed layer of caution. We just need to not overdo it with the spookiness when it's not required because it just puts self-imposed restraints on something that doesn't need to be there. So I've heard that NGA might have some involvement with Google's Summer of Code initiative. Can you share the details of that project? Sure. So that was the uh, GeoWave uh, was, I think it was the, maybe the third or fourth offering uh, that we open source uh, onto GitHub. And basically what it does is it uh, adds a uh, spatial and temporal layer over a Cumulo, which is a big data system that was open sourced by the NSA. Um, that project has kind of been the Eclipse Foundation. It was a, it's, it's a big open source software um, entity out there. There's a couple of them. There's the Apache Foundation, Eclipse, and others. Their, their whole reason for existence is to promote open source software projects. So the Eclipse Foundation is, was kind of looking at GeoWave, and they're, they're, they're thinking of starting up a subgroup called Location Tech to focus just on geospatial technologies, because a lot of the big data systems in particular are designed to do text-based analytics. Geospatial is kind of an afterthought. So GeoWave was a good project that's kind of bridging that. So the big, data, the big data ecosystem with heavy emphasis on spatial, that's kind of an emerging market. So the Eclipse Foundation is, is building up this working group to focus solely on that. They looked out to the NGA's GitHub stuff and said, hey, this is pretty good. This is the bridge that we're looking for. Um, they have a brand. They've been in, in the open source space for a while, and NGA is, is, is in, in the early process of potentially joining the Eclipse Foundation. So by us investigating to join the Eclipse Foundation, we were able to kind of piggyback on their brand, and they won a spot in the Google Summer of Code. This is a global competition. This is a big deal. So the, the GeoWave is going to be in the Google Summer of Code kind of through the Eclipse brand, and we're doing that now. Um, so this is, this is a big deal. As, as, as When Ben Balter was here, he was involved with the Google Summer of Code. Um, this is a huge global uh, competition. And it's going to be really cool. So we kind of are, are, are benefiting from kind of a test run with the Eclipse Foundation. But regardless, I mean, if, if you know, to use a baseball analogy, an old one, in fact, of, of, from Bull Durham, this is the show. This is a big deal, which is really, really cool. And these, this is a global competition. And, and to be a part of that, um, with only, we've only been at this for a year. Uh, uh, with, with the entire open source thing and GitHub thing. So we're moving pretty fast, and that's pretty cool to be in that kind of, uh, that kind of circle and brand already. I'd like to thank Chris for joining us on the show today. For more information on the GeoInt Pathfinder project, you can visit our website at www.nga.mil. We have a special GeoInt Symposium site with news and information, including a schedule of where and when Chris is speaking.